All right, let's pray together as we jump into the message. Jesus, this is all for you. We are here. We are hungry. And if we're not hungry, Holy Spirit, make us hungry. Let us not stay in any pool of complacency. And we ask right now for a fresh wind and fire of God to come through the preaching of the word that leaps to our hearts, that awakens us to life. That we won't be those that go around with our fingers in our ears, not wanting to see and hear the truth of the resurrected Christ. But that we'd be, that we'd be those that are awakened and full of life and expectancy to see you as you are. To wait upon you with an eagerness, a hope, an expectation full of faith. And so I even speak a quaking right now in our souls. A quaking right now. Let it erupt God, where we are not held back by anything that has stuffed us down. No dirt that's been thrown on the seeds in our lives. Some of you have grown up in the church and you have seeds planted in your life, but you've walked away from the Lord. I hear one person, 13 years you've been gone and there's been dirt and dirt and dirt thrown over the seeds of your life. But the Lord says those seeds are deep within you. No time has been wasted because now is the day. You're in this place this morning. You're in this place this morning where the Lord removes the dirt and the hindrances so that life can come up once again. And so we speak life and resurrection power to the seeds within our, that are within your life. And we speak fresh wind, fresh fire, replenishment to come within you this morning. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. All right. Where are we going to go this morning? This is good. So fun. Thank you for, for tracking with us. Maybe you're not tracking with us, and we're just glad you're still in the building. This is good. It's all right. It's all right. Just take it all in. Take it in. Um, the Holy Spirit is the best teacher of all. And there might be things that go on that you're like, what is this person doing over here? What is, what is, what is this person praising interesting over here? Just bring it to the Lord. Jesus will show you. He will show you. He gives discernment in our lives. And he's, he's just... This is an atmosphere where we try to foster freedom. And sometimes in an atmosphere of freedom and revival, it can make little messes. That's just a part of it. But guess who's not threatened by that? The Lord Jesus Christ. And so we get to be unoffendable. And we get to look at each other with the eyes and the heart of the Father. And simply be present and get to represent Jesus. So it's, it's, a, good, it's a good thing. All right. Well, we, if, you're, if you've not been with us, we've been in a series all on intimacy with Jesus, knowing him, going deeper with him. A few weeks ago, we had a panel discussion. How many of you guys enjoyed that panel discussion? They did such a good job just being able to flow together, going into some deep things of how to engage with God, connect with God at a deeper level. Last week, Richard brought a great word all about the power of the word. And so... This is all part of our story and invitation, the drawing near, the wooing of God's people to his heartbeat. And so we get to be people that respond. And one of the greatest promises in scripture is draw near to God, for he draws near to you. And so we get to simply draw near to God this morning in a fresh way. There's a woman named Jean Guillon. My stand has already fallen down. Let it cling, Jesus. Let's go. 
Jean Guion, and in the 17th century, she is known as a French mystic. Incredible writings. One of the most well-known female um, female Christians, really, of all time. And she lived as one that is a mystic. Now, even the definition of mystic, some people don't quite fully grasp, but it's, it's someone that has, has given their lives to, to follow the ways and workings of the Holy Spirit in a way that just feels mystical in, in the holiest sense of the term. And I love what she says, and this, this, is, this is so profound. It's not enough to be turned inwardly to your Lord an hour or two each day. There's little value in being turned within to the Lord unless the end result is an anointing and a spirit of prayer which continues with you during the whole day. The entire purpose of us longing to take intentional time with Jesus, whether it's in the morning or night or whenever you have time, the whole purpose is not just to get charged up so that your battery starts to drain, so that you're desperate for the next moment that you can return to his power. The point is to get us in a lifestyle of revival, a lifestyle where we are filled up to overflowing, a lifestyle where prayer becomes our every breath, where we are so aware that we are walking and talking with the Lord at each moment, living our lives as if it is Eden extended. This is the purpose of what we take intentional time for so that it outworks in the overflow. I want to read from Psalm 27, verse 4. One thing I ask from the Lord, this only do I seek. If you had one thing to ask from the Lord, what do you think it would be in your life? One thing that you could ask him. One thing that you could seek and search for. This is what King David wrote. What he asked and what he was seeking was that he would dwell in the house of the Lord all the days of his life. To gaze on the beauty of the Lord and to seek him in his temple. And so this morning, I want to preach on the pathway to his presence. I want to give tools, very practical tools, for a, a spiritual formation and intimacy, building it with God. So this is a little less of a sermon, and this is a, a personal invitation to discipleship time with Pastor Tams. You guys ready for that? <laughs> discipleship hour with Pastor Tams. Here we are. And so the first tool that I want to bring to you this morning is his presence. Presence. Our times with Jesus always begin and end by becoming aware of his presence. And that's what I want to challenge you guys to be aware of. When you sit down with the Lord, because we talked about the importance of intentional time and how even, even if it's just inviting, like you would invite a friend in for 15 minutes to have a real um, quality conversation, how much more should we invite the Lord in for quality time, quality conversation? Yes, we go about our day and we're, we're, we're talking with him, walking with him, doing our tasks, going to CVS with Jesus. That's great. But there's something beautiful and intentional about these, these set aside times with our friend, with our father, with Jesus himself, with the spirit of God. And so our times when we sit down, I want to encourage you that one tool is to pause 
and be aware of his presence. Simply engage with the presence of God. We can do this by consciously engaging with him as a person who is here with you. Something they do in kids' ministry, which I love, Erica was telling us that every week they said, okay, now it's time to invite in Jesus. And so the kids run to the door of the kids' room and, and open it up and invite in Jesus. Now, did Jesus ever, ever leave that room? Of course not. But there's an intentionality when you think about the person of Jesus who is here with us. It's his presence. There's a pausing that takes place in our hearts, our bodies, our minds, our souls to encounter and behold him as he is. We, we stop and consider his nearness. We engage and become aware and that opens us up to experience him more. And this can be for a moment. It can be for a few minutes. It can be longer. Or often this is how you can begin, begin your times with the Lord and end your times, your intentional times with the Lord. Um, I, I, I want to bring some of these, these tools into practice. And we talked about practice and how it doesn't, even the word practice is, is not really an, an invitational kind of word necessarily. But we talked about how, how practice is actually a deliberate act of an engagement with an activity. And so if we are practicing the presence of God, we are intentionally engaging with Jesus in an act. And so that strengthens our relationship and, and it's to master the ability to live submitted and surrendered to his presence and to his leading. And we talked about how there's no shortcuts in developing intimacy with God, that this is a, a day-by-day journey where he leads you onward. In my own journey of experiencing the presence of God um, and to become aware of his presence day-by-day, the experience of his nearness and his glory would become more and more frequent in my life. And so maybe it would start off something like this, where you're at a church service and, and you feel like you have to kind of get past these roadblocks and these thoughts that you have. And I've got to get, it feels like you've got to get this repentance out of the way, this big stone and these distractions around me. And I don't know if I like love this song that we're singing right now, <laughs> whatever it is. It feels like you gotta work past all these roadblocks. But as you start to foster the presence of God, that becomes a well in your life. And when the Lord digs that well in your life, you can revisit that well time and time and time again. And so I've begun to, to nurture that, to honor that, and go back to that place every time that I'm in worship and it becomes easier and easier to access the throne of God, whether it's, it's in my understanding of, of theology, of the invitation that I can approach his throne boldly, no matter what it is where that shame is actually starting to let go because I see that I'm righteous in Jesus, I, I begin to experience his presence that much more in, in corporate meetings like this, that much more when I'm meeting with Jesus with my pen and, and my paper and I'm journaling, there becomes this, this everyday experience that begins to become a, a moment-by-moment new experience where you begin to foster and host the presence of God well in your life. How many of you guys are hungry to host the presence of God well in your own lives? 
I know, I'm hungry for that in our church body. Imagine, imagine if each and every one of you learned to host the presence of God well in your life. And as you did that, not just on a Sunday morning, but seven days a week, throughout the day, even throughout the night, because even though you're sleeping, your spirit's awake and engaged. What if you lived in that place of his presence? And so when we had moments like this or moments when you're in your home group, it becomes that much more of a bonfire of God's presence because we're not just pulling each other out of the mud, surviving another week, but we're living at high levels of the glory and presence of God. Imagine what's gonna take place. Imagine when you go to Trader Joe's and you see someone that is, uh, that, that's sick in an aisle and they're hobbling along. You don't have to muster up, oh, like, I need to engage with the presence of God right now. I feel like it's been four days since I even talked to Jesus, uh, but I'm supposed to pray for this person, I think. Uh, okay, presence of God, presence of God, fill me, fill me, fill me. At least give me a tingle, something, something. I, I need something before I pray for this person. Imagine if you actually lived with high levels of faith so that the next time that you walk into Trader Joe's and see someone hobbling, you're like, there's someone the Lord wants to touch today. And you have, you have a power and your authority in your walk because you're not living in compromise. You're living connected. This is where we're headed. We, we are people who want to live at that high level of his presence and engagement. So we have the presence of God. Even in our worship, most of the time, um, we, can, we can, as we foster it and host it, it doesn't have to take a few songs to get to that place of, oh, now, now I'm in that presence. You just come, dial in, whoom, you're there. And then where is he gonna take you? What kind of experiences can you have in the spirit? What, what kind of revelation is he going to download to you? Because you fostered that and you host that so well in your life living in the Holy of Holies, feeling that intoxicating love of his presence becomes easy because you've trained yourself more and more to live in the wine cellar of his love. The next two I want to talk about is silence. Silence. Now this one is going to be stretching for maybe all of us. I'm sure there's, a, there's one saint out there that just loves an hour in silence a day. <laughs> but silence is when we go beyond our words to position ourselves to be present with God. Beyond our words to position ourselves to be present to God. We all have a strong desire within us, whether you know it or not, to pause from all of the busyness, the noise, the distraction, all the voices, the social media that's flashing in front of you at all times, the television, the messaging that we're getting, the horns we hear outside, whatever it is, there's something within us that is aching for a pause from the chaos, a pause from the busyness, and just to be still and quiet in the presence of God. And if you want to be gifted his peace, you have to be determined to pause, to not rush, to not overwork your mind, and to just come to him as a child who is totally safe. That, that is the best posture to come in silence. You just come to him as a child, a son or daughter, and you're like, okay, I'm with you my dad, and I am totally, completely safe, and I will be still, and I will be silent. Matthew 18, 
Let's read this together. At that time, the disciples came to Jesus saying, who's the greatest in the kingdom of heaven? And calling to him a child, he put the child in the midst of them and said, truly I say to you, unless you turn and become like children, you will never enter the kingdom of heaven. Whoever humbles himself like this child is the greatest in the kingdom of heaven. Jesus would love to just flip some things over. You know, they're looking for like, who is the mightiest in the kingdom of God? Do we pray the most eloquent prayers? Are we dressed the best? Do we have just enough gray on the side to show some wisdom? (laughs) Yeshua, who's the greatest? He's like, hey, bring me that four-year-old for a second. See this little one dancing in worship? See this little one that doesn't care what anyone thinks about them? See how, how they run to their dad in a moment, knowing their dad's gonna scoop them up? Yeah, that's the greatest in the kingdom of God. That's the greatest. Do you like my sassy Jesus? <laughs> yeah, sarcastic Jesus. I'll bring him anytime. Oh man. In that space of silence, you become aware of him and you become aware of his voice. There's a deep abiding that takes place. And in the place of silence, there are two main fruits of being in that space, hearing and surrender. When you're silent before him and beholding him in that place, hearing and surrender become a fruit of your silence. We become very aware of ourselves in that space because for once in a, in a moment, you're finally calming yourself to just be still with your own thoughts, but to be still with your own God. And so there becomes this examination that takes place. And in surrender, we get to let go of anything that we've been holding on to. The next tool that we have to, to, to bring that, that connection in our intimacy with Jesus is worship. You are a habitation for the presence of God. You are crafted to be a royal priest, ministering to the Lord in his house of worship. This doesn't just happen in this room on Sunday morning. It doesn't just happen when you turn on YouTube and you find Bethel or Upper Room or take your pick of great worship music on the screen. You're like, okay, now I can worship. As great as those resources are, and thank God we can be in our cars and play some worship music, right? But worship doesn't have to just look like the full band kind of experience. Worship in its essence is our response to his worth. It's our passionate expression and desire for him and letting him know the utmost place that he holds in our lives. So when you're with him and you're pausing and you're intentional, we can begin with thanksgiving. This is not a formula, but even we find in Psalm 100, it says, make a joyful noise to the Lord, all the earth. Serve the Lord with gladness. Come into his presence with singing. Know that the Lord, he is God. It is he who made us. We are his. We are his people. We are the sheep of his pasture. Enter his gates with thanksgiving. And his courts, how do you enter his courts? With praise. Give thanks to him. Bless his name. 
Did you know that, that worship and singing isn't just a suggestion for the musically inclined? He's like, hey, you, this is for you. Sing a little louder. <laughs> for the Lord is good. His steadfast love endures forever and his faithfulness to all generations. And so when we're in that place of, of being still before him, we can actually use now this tool of thanksgiving and worship. Now, how do I do that? If I don't play guitar, if I don't play piano, if I'm not whipping out my banjo to praise the Lord, how do, how do I engage with worship? It can come in so many different ways. What if you just started writing down things that you're thankful for in your life? What if you said, Holy Spirit, can you bring to remembrance things that you've done in my life? Can, can you actually stir within me a spirit of thanksgiving? Start to write it down. If you're like me, recent, just, this is a little more recent. I've been doing more prayer walks. So I'll, put in, I'll pop in my, my AirPods and I'll get a nice little a nice little pad or maybe like hammock or one of those bands, you know, in my ears. And then I'll just, I'll walk and talk out loud in my neighborhood and people think I'm on a phone call, but I'm talking to the good Lord. So I don't look too much like a weirdo as I'm strolling the streets of Mar Vista. Who cares anyway? You know, there's other people out there that are talking loudly to themselves and we, we, we don't want to be like that. So we're talking to the Lord. It's holy. And so that's an idea for you, to, to, to go out on a prayer walk. It could be soft, it could be loud, it could be singing. There, there's all sorts of forms of engaging with the Lord in worship, and it doesn't just have to be through a full band, full house kind of experience. And so I want that to be something that we can cultivate on an individual level as well. It can be done in silence even. Did you know you can worship in silence? And you're just pausing and meditating on how good God is and what he means to you. The Psalms, this has to do with, with worship as well, as, as well as our emotional state. The, the, the Psalms were used by Jesus himself and the early church. They would use the Psalms as a, as a worship and prayer book. And they would teach them how to pray, and they still teach us how to pray. Dallas Willard, if we can put, put up his quote, he says, if you bury yourself in the Psalms, you emerge knowing God and understanding life. We drink in God and God's world from them. They provide a vocabulary for godly living. Uh, there's Pastor Bill Johnson up at Bethel, Love him. He's a hero of the faith for me. I don't even know the man, but I love him and so thankful. And he talks about how he engages with the Psalms, where if he's having a moment of difficulty in his life, if his emotions are kind of knotted up and he doesn't know quite what to do for it, how many of you know that sometimes you don't have the vocabulary for even how to pray? I don't even know what to pray. I don't feel like I can muster up something crack open the Psalms, just start to read from Psalm to Psalm. And what he does, he will read Psalm after Psalm until, boom, there's something that has life on it for his, for his vocabulary that is missing. And he can feel that presence of God on a particular Psalm. And then he'll stay there and he'll camp out on it and he'll meditate on it. He'll speak it out. He might even sing it out. And there's this sense of like, 
King David or Moses or the other Psalm authors inspired by the Holy Spirit wrote in such a way that we can relate to it, that the very same Spirit of God living in us can give a yes and amen to those same emotions to get us onto the pathway of his presence. And so that's an encouragement as well. Go to the Psalms. Go to the Psalms over and over again and see that that language of the Spirit start to move in your life. Ultimately, worship is the place where we treasure who God is. We are in awe of him and worship is the place that we fall deeper and deeper in love with Jesus. The next tool is the gospels. We have four gospels. It is the gospel, which means the good news, the good news of Jesus and the good news of the kingdom of God. And in the gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, we have four individual accounts that have four very specific audiences, but they tell about the life of Jesus, the teachings of Jesus, his death and his resurrection, and they show us what it looks like to be a man or a woman that is filled with the spirit of God, filled with his authority and sees impossibilities and evil bow at the name of Jesus. And so when you read the gospels, you are actually introduced to the heart of the father because one of the reasons Jesus came was to bring us a a visual of what the heart of the father looks like. And so if you wanna know the heart of the father, if you wanna know the heart of who Jesus is, we get to experience that by reading and digesting the Gospels. Next one, Scripture. 2 Timothy 3, 16 through 17 says, all Scripture is breathed out by God, or God breathed, and it's profitable for teaching, for reproof, for correction, and for training in righteousness, that the man of God may be complete, equipped for every good work. Scripture is the living word of God. It is an anchor. It is a plumb line that we measure the rest of life with. It corrects. It cuts like a sword. It heals. It is our daily bread. It is truth. And so scripture is something that even though we love the spirit of God and we love where he's taking us day by day, we can love the same thing in the, the, the word of God, because the spirit is alive and moving through his word. And maybe now more than ever, I know we say that every century, now more than ever, we need the word of God. We always need the word of God, but it feels like now more than ever, we need the word of God because we need truth to cut. We need, and, it, and it cuts so good, doesn't it? You know, when you get like corrected by the Lord, he's so loving that you're like, ow, that hurts. But God, thank you. That hurts good. <laughs> it's like, you know, you know. And it, it's that correction that actually brings us towards him. That correction that brings us towards life. Just as we declared, it's not for condemnation's sake. It's to draw us near and closer. And every correction is to bring you more into the fullness of what you create you were created to be. When he dreamed of you and your life, he's correcting you to bring you more into that place of who you were created to be. And so we have scripture to be an anchor in our life, a daily bread kind of relationship with scripture. And the whole reason I'm going through this teaching is because so often we encourage individuals to be in the word, like 
get closer to the Lord, intimacy. We love these kind of, these, these phrases and these kind of like, uh, Christianity is not about rules, it's about relationship. And so people are like, yes, but how? <laughs> you know, and sometimes we gotta get practical with what that actually looks like, don't we? Because I, I was relating it, I was thinking about my, my niece who just turned six, Cece. And what if I was like, Cece, Look at the refrigerator. There is filet mignon. There are mushrooms. There's a nice sauce to go with it. Mashed potatoes ready to be had. And you're going to have a feast. You just have to prepare it. So I'm, I'm going to go run an errand. And I expect you to enjoy this, this steak and mashed potatoes. Good luck with the oven. Good luck with the skillet. Good luck with the knives. And I'll see you in a couple hours. Sounds insane, right? But sometimes that's how we're treating little baby Christians. And we're like, it's meat. Brother, it's meat. It's wonderful when you experience it. Good luck. Good luck. Maybe start with John, but good luck. Right? And I think sometimes we get so excited to lead people to Jesus, but then they don't even know how to have a relationship with him. And as one of the most common questions I have is like, how do I actually foster this relationship with him. So these are tools to help us go deeper in that place. All right. Um, I also just want to quickly mention the Proverbs because the Lord in his wisdom has made Proverbs so that you can read a proverb a day. And um, hopefully that's not the only thing you do for your devotional time, but it is something that can be really helpful. And reading the Proverbs lets us grow in immense wisdom. And I was just reading it um, in little portions throughout this week. And every, every day I was like, oh man, that cuts. But it, that's a good, that's good how it cuts, you know, because it, it sparks things in your life that you're able to also cut out from your life to lay down for what's really most important. All right. The next, the next tool is devotionals. Devotionals are part of our daily movement of learning, hearing from others and other people's perspectives, being discipled. You're actually discipled through unique voices. So if you're listening to a podcast or you're reading a book or you decide to, to crack open a commentary, you're actually being discipled by various voices or various devotionals, if you will. And really, the, the key there is for devotionals to bring a rich spiritual building up within your life. So whether you're listening to little sermons or clips or reading these books, perhaps there's an area of study in your life right now that you feel like God is highlighting. Maybe you are a new parent and you're like, man, I, I really don't know anything about like godly parenting. And so the Lord's highlighting maybe a Danny Silk book about um, engaging with kids in a, in a Christian family where you nurture them up in the ways of God and, and be a spiritual leader in your household. And so that can be a part of your time with God as like a, a supplemental devotional in your daily time. Now, what I normally see people doing is they're like, all right, I'm gonna have my time with Jesus. So I'm gonna flip on YouTube to a sermon and just watch a sermon for 45 minutes. Now, I think that can be extremely beneficial, but do you realize that you're actually getting spoon-fed from another individual and not directly through person-to-person -person relationship with Jesus? 
And so we're actually training ourselves to have secondhand food rather than manna every single day having the nourishment directly from the Lord. And so it needs to be a both and kind of thing. I'm not dismissing those other voices. I think they're beautiful, important. Like I just said, they disciple you. They mentor you in different areas of truth, but nothing replaces the direct fellowship with Jesus himself. Meditation. Meditation in its essence is really allowing yourself to not rush on to the next thing, but to fully contemplate a specific truth and marinate in it, chew on it, contemplate it. Let your spirit-led imagination engage deeply with a thing and savor it. It's, it's actually engaged listening, it's sensing, and it's pondering the truth. And so that's something that we can do in our own time. If the Lord is highlighting a specific, let's say you're in your daily reading of scripture and you're doing all the all the things and things that I'm, good things that I'm putting up here, nothing replaces those moments where you feel that breath of the Holy Spirit causing you to say, hey, Tommy, pause on this verse for a second. This is for you today. You, you, the other stuff can wait. Let's, let's camp out here for a second. Can you meditate on this scripture a little bit longer? Because this is for you, and I want you to get this at a deep level. And so you start to meditate on the very thing that the Lord is highlighting. And it nourishes you, it goes deep within you. Now, the difference between Christian meditation and meditation from other sources would be what what you might be experiencing with, with other religions in meditation is an emptying of yourself, an emptying of your mind, letting letting things out. With with meditation with Jesus, sure there are things that need to be flushed, the exhale but we have the beauty of the Holy Spirit that then fills us. The house is emptied, but we are filled with the Holy Spirit. And he wants to fill every nook and cranny of your home, every closet, every hidden place. He wants to breathe his life into those spaces that sometimes we're a little, maybe not this closet yet, Jesus. He's like, I'm gonna stand at that door and knock very patiently as well. You've let me into these other spaces, thank you. But uh, that closet's coming next. And he's like, let's, let's, let's sit there in a place of meditation because I want to fill you with truth, fill you and nurture you with my presence. The next thing I want to hit is questions. The disciples loved to ask Jesus questions. And Jesus loved to not just answer, but to bring questions back towards them. Sometimes he'd answer but often he'd be like, let me answer your question with another question. <laughs> Sometimes he still does that, doesn't he? <laughs> Jesus, tell me where to live. Jesus, tell me who to date. Let me ask you a question, my daughter. Uh, I'm uncomfortable with that because I feel like you're exposing my heart when you ask me questions. That's the point. That is the point. There's a reason he does it. When he asks questions back, it's to reveal our hearts. When we're asking questions, it allows us to pause and to hear. And he may give you a scripture. He may give you a sense. He might give you a vision. He might call something to remembrance. Like, okay, ask him a question. Why is he bringing this thing up from third grade? 
it's so random. This, I, 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 need, I need to meditate and flush my mind more. He's like, no, he's actually bringing up that memory because he's like, hey, you asked me about dating. I want to ask you about that thing in third grade that imprinted something on you. And let's do a little, let's do a little healing. And you're like, Lord, I was just asking you who I should have a crush on. He's like, yeah, your heart. Let's go to the heart. That's, that's where we need to work for a second. Anyone relate? Anyone can relate? Okay. <laughs> oh, man. Asking questions is a great way to continue to listen to him and actually get the root of various areas of life that need his touch and his guidance. I journal questions all the time to the Lord. I'll, I'll, you know, some, journal, I mentioned this before. Journaling is not just what you do when you're in middle school with your little lock and key and hide it from your brother. <laughs> journaling is so of the Lord because you're pausing. There's something about like pen to paper for me, just being able to slowly write things out. But I will ask the Lord questions in my journaling and then I'll pause and I'll wait. And he might give me a vision. He might bring something to remembrance or a verse. But then I just start to jot down what I feel like he's saying. You know, there's, there's room there to explore these different avenues of listening. Next, prayer. We're on the home stretch. Prayer. There's many kinds of prayer. Um, prayer ultimately is connection and conversation with God that can look many ways. It can be something from, from very literal, crafted liturgy, which, you know, in, Sometimes in these circles, we're like, oh, that seems so boring. Do you know it's power-packed liturgy out there that is so formative and gives us language that probably we need more of? And prayer can also be a simple groan to the Lord. Prayer can, be, prayer can actually be you on your guitar and you're just finger-picking because you're letting out a responsive conversation with the Lord as well. But I just, um, I don't want to go too deep in that because prayer is a whole nother conversation. Um, praying in the spirit or praying in tongues. Some of you are new to that. That's okay. That, that also could be a whole nother um, sermon teaching on, on tongues and how that operates in our lives. But ultimately, there's, there's kind of the personal expression of tongues, which would be praying in the spirit, praying in tongues for the personal edification or building up of you and I. So, so if you're in your if you're in your Audi on the 405 and traffic's driving you a little crazy trying to get downtown, you're like, all right, I'm not gonna, part I'm not gonna partner with this atmosphere right now. <laughs> you're like, I'm just gonna pray in the spirit. Just switch it. You, you know you can do that. You don't have to come under the heaviness. And it allows you to become aware of what the Spirit's doing, not how you feel in the moment as you're crammed in on every side. And you're like, I'm gonna engage with the Lord in this moment. And, and it stirs up the Spirit within you as well. And so there's moments like that where there's like the personal building up or when you don't know what to pray, you can also pray in the Spirit and the, the Spirit um, moves and operates through you. You know, God the Father, Jesus and Holy Spirit are all super interceding on your behalf. And so we get to partner with what he is saying and speaking through our own partnership. Um, I could talk about tongues in like a church setting. That's a different conversation. All right, prayers of surrender. 
I, I was really excited to get to this one. I love the topic of surrender because it's a little uncomfortable and really necessary. <laughs> prayers of surrender. Um, something that I start off with in my prayers of surrender is that I say, God, first I've connected with him and I, you know, I've done these, some of these tools and I say, God, are there areas that I have disconnected from you? Are there areas that I've disconnected from faith? Are there areas that I'm hiding? Are there areas that I'm holding on to? Because I know that I'm a loved son, first and foremost. And so I, I get to a place where I'm like, okay, God, I'm, I'm ready for you to do this in my life. I want surrender. And so I'm asking this. And so when you're praying prayers of surrender, there's giving things to God. I think that one hopefully is, becomes clear. You're like, yeah, I got some things I need to give to God still. Some of you are thinking right now, eh, yeah, I need to do that. Okay, yeah, there's that thing too, yeah. So you can do that in your personal time with the Lord. Repentance. Repentance can actually be something that there's a, um, a glory to repentance. Repentance doesn't just have to be a, a doom and gloom kind of hardship. There is actually a, yes, there's a, an awe, a reverence, a godly remorse that is part of repentance, but there's also a, a, a deep kind of like, oh man, it is actually my pleasure to give this to you. This is painful for me because I've held onto it for reasons, but I'm going to choose and put a marker in the ground. This is the day that I'm letting go of this thing and I'm turning back to Jesus. It's a 180 kind of movement. It's returning to the high place. Have you gotten off the high place with the Lord, gone down your own trails? Repent, return to the high place. He's ready, he's waiting. He says, come back up here. Get back to the place of, of good perspective with me once again. Get back to the place of what you were actually created to be and operate in. There's a, there's a beauty and a love. And he's like, come here, come here, my son or daughter. Just, just be right here with me. It's okay. You know, repentance can be such a beautiful, glorious thing. Forgiveness. Did you know one of the, the, I'd say the top three areas where individuals who follow Jesus are still bound is in unforgiveness. There are people that it just is hard to forgive. And we don't know how to. We haven't been equipped to know how to do that. Well, I, I, I don't want to trust the person again. I can't go back into their, I'm not asking you to trust the person again or go back into their lives. Forgiveness is a choice moved with the power of the Holy Spirit, moved with the blood of Jesus, where you, you, are, you are making a legal declaration with your willpower that I choose today to forgive this person for all of these areas that they've hurt me. I choose it because we're actually commanded to do it. I choose today. And I, if I'm commanded to do it, the Lord gives me the grace to do it too. You're not doing it alone. Jesus, you forgave them. That's hard for me to see. Give me your heart right now. And I choose in this moment to forgive them for all of these reasons. And I choose to bless them in a real relationship with God where they can find healing. And, and you, can, you can give it over to the Lord. You can give it over to the Lord rather than continuing the poison that you are holding on to, giving the enemy a foothold 
where you think that you are actually creating a foothold in the other individual's life, did you know the enemy has a foothold in your life if you're choosing unforgiveness? And so this is a way for you to no more footholds, no more areas of my life that I'm compromising. And then another one that I want to talk about is open doors. If we can put that up on the screen. There are four, four doors, four main areas of sin in our lives that are like open doors, not even like, they are open doors in our lives spiritually and have a physical manifestation and, and have different implications that can look a lot of different ways. But there are four main doors that we've opened up in our lives and we don't just have to go to a Christian therapist or a church service or a prayer line to see ourselves walk in freedom. We can walk in freedom more and more every single day. And so I want to equip you guys how to, how to um, let the Lord penetrate your heart so you can actually move and operate into greater freedom day by day in your own authority that is God-given because Jesus is interceding with you and for you. Okay, so these four doors is, is a tool that will help identify in your life areas that you've opened up to darkness and to the enemy, where sin comes in and wreaks havoc in your life. So number, the, number one, the first door is fear. Fear is the most common sin people deal with. Sins of worry, unbelief, need to control, anxiety, isolation, apathy, drugs and alcohol all reside behind this door. Door number two. Hatred. The door of hatred contains sins like bitterness, envy, gossip, slander, anger, self-hatred, and low self-worth. Even sins like racism are behind this door. Door three, sexual sin. The door to sexual sin contains adultery, pornography, fornication, lewdness, molestation, rape, sexual sin, and sexual immorality. Number four, occult and witchcraft. This is the final door. The occult contains sins like astrology, fortune-telling, tarot cards, seances, Ouija boards, manipulation, participation in covens, casting curses, witchcraft, ayahuasca, movements like New Age, um, Reiki healing. These are all behind this door of occult and witchcraft. Some of you just need that defined today. And I'm not saying this to be legalistic. I'm saying this because it's an open door to demonic activity in your life that I want you free from. I'm, I'm serious about this, and there's an authority on it filled with the compassion of Jesus because I am tired of seeing people trampled on by the, by the enemy. We've got to see people set free. We've got to see the sword drawn. And so to close each of these four doors is actually fairly simple. Once you identify one door in your life, fear, hatred, sexual sin, the occult, walk through a simple prayer of deliverance and ask God to remove the influence of it. And so we're going to put up here a simple prayer. Get out your phones right now and take a photo of it, please, because... I'm sure every single one of us needs to do this. Okay. And as you're, I'm just going to read it out loud as you're taking photos. Jesus, I ask you to forgive me for opening this door to name the thing, name it specifically to. 
Did you know that the enemy doesn't know your thoughts? Satan and the demons don't know your thoughts. They can put lies within your thoughts, but to speak out is actually a legal declaration that can cut off the work of the enemy in your life. So you have to say this out loud. Speak it out. Imagine yourself in a courtroom. Speak it out into the courtroom, okay? Forgive me for opening the door to these areas. I repent for partnering with this sin. I renounce this sin's hold over my life and ask you, Lord, to cleanse me with your righteous blood. Close this door, Jesus. Seal it shut in Jesus' mighty name. Amen. And any time that he is removing something from your life, he wants to now fill you up in that area that you've let the enemy run rampant in your life. If it's a place of sexual sin for whatever reason, that's, that's moving you down a path of destruction. He's like, thank you for repenting. Thank you for making a legal declaration that cuts off the works of the enemy. Now ask me what, what you want me to fill you with. The health, the nourishment, the righteous, the, the, your true nature in Christ. Ask him to move in his power and by his blood to fill you in those areas. And you might need to do this repeatedly until you find freedom, or you might need to go with your prayer partner or your small group, or you might need to find someone if you're still, still having trouble getting freedom. But there's absolutely no shame in that because we want everyone to walk in full freedom in our lives. And whether you... You, whether you have terminology that someone is demonized or maybe you think that Christians can't be demonized, we use the terminology um, demonized because there are influences of the enemy that can still run rampant into our lives because we've given legal authority to it. We don't have to be scared or threatened by it. We simply align ourselves with the power of God to see true freedom come. There's more than an, one drop of blood is more than enough for your issue. And so I just want to end with a couple postures. How do we posture ourselves day by day? First of all, patience. Patience. There's a progressive opening up of ourselves to his love. Some days you're going to miss. Some days you're going to struggle with the silence. But we are not made for perfection. We are made for progress. And that's what God celebrates in your life. We are not training harder. Uh, we are training harder. We're not trying harder. You guys get that? We are training harder. We are not trying harder. What does that mean? It means we're, we're giving time and space for the training. But retraining takes time and patience so don't let the discouragement win in your life. It's normal to set goals and to have setbacks. We are in this for a lifetime, so we have to, to let ourselves have an unwavering loyalty to the Lord and let that be your, our posture. Even if you stray or have a few days or a few weeks where you've strayed, come back. Patience, he is immensely patient. And that same patience is a fruit of the Spirit in your life. Second posture, a posture of honesty. Even from the garden, Adam and Eve sinned, and then they hid. It was shame. We're going to be constantly tempted to hide when we have shame in our lives. 
but God is not interested in polishing your masks. That means we have to be uncomfortable. We need to let go of our hiding to actually be free. Honesty requires courage. He is not afraid to see the real us. He is not as afraid to see you in your mess. And as we open up to the hurting places, that gives him permission. As we open up, it gives him permission to actually bring the healing to those places where you need it. And the final posture is vocalize your desires to him. What are the core desires of your life? What are your deepest cravings? When Jesus was ministering, there was clearly someone that would need physical healing and he would ask them, do you wanna be healed? Why would he do that? Why didn't he just come up to them and um, you who have leprosy be healed? He would say, do you want to be healed? He would often ask them, he wants you to vocalize your desires. And as we vocalize them, it increases a vulnerability and an intimacy in our lives with him. Don't just assume, like, God knows all my desires. He already knows them. God already knows everything I want and the deepest longings of my heart. Don't just assume that. He longs to hear from you and to connect in the, the deep relationship that he longs to have in those deep places. So let's go ahead and stand up together. I gave you some, some tools today. It was a lot of information. Um, I'll, I'll post some of these on social media this week. Um, maybe just tune into Instagram and you can take some, some screenshots of that. But um, I would love to see, you guys are already applying this to your lives as we have these discussions. I would love to see some of these implemented into your time with God, that intentionality. So more than just some good ideas from this group discipleship time this morning, why don't we ask Holy Spirit to come and do that deep work? So go ahead and put your hands in your hearts. God, we thank you so much that we know you, that we've come to know you. And if someone hasn't come to know you, what a great day to come to know you. They've seen all these different great ways that we can connect with the living God be free, walk in wholeness. And our desire is to be a people who burn for you. I'm longing to be a person that burns more and more for you. I'm, I'm ready to let go of all the hindrances and to be a brighter flame full of the glory and power of Jesus. And I know that's the heart cry of so many here. It's the heart cry of this church body. We are not in this for just a nice social club atmosphere. We are here to see King Jesus lifted high to see our lives transformed by his presence. We are, we are here to be those who are radical Jesus people who are going to the ends of the earth for your name and for your sake. And so God, as we, as we want revival, we crave revival. What does that look like in Los Angeles, in the region? What does revival look like as it sweeps through California and through the nation? We want it, we long for it. But we wanna start with a personal revival, God. We wanna start with every single one of us being set aflame with our own revival. And so we ask right now that even as we're praying for these different ways to engage with you, that you would move in our lives in a personal revival. Turn up the heat, crank up the burners. Let us not grow dim, 
Let us not grow weary. Let us not fade away into the the, the noise of this city. God, let the, the voice of heaven and the sounds of heaven increase in volume in our hearts. And I repent myself and on behalf of this church for areas that we have grown dim. I repent and ask forgiveness for areas that I've compromised. I repent and, 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 and ask forgiveness on behalf of this church and the saints of Los Angeles where we have compromised and we don't even look that much different from everyone else in this city. Where have we gone wrong, God? We are a city on a hill. Let us burn brightly. Let nothing be hid under a bushel. We will hide nothing. I repent where I've hidden it all when it could have been an opportunity to speak with boldness and to shine brightly, but I thought maybe they're not ready yet. God, wake us up. Wake us up. Stir it up again in our souls. Stir up boldness in our souls again, God. Let us take risk. Let us step out with faith. Let us actually believe that when we speak something, the Holy Spirit will follow. We don't have to be those that are so eloquent and say it perfectly. We simply speak the truth and it's so full of resurrection life that it grips a heart. Do it again, God. Do it again. Get us back to the highest place we've been and then further. Back to the highest place and then further. It's time. It's time. It's time. So we ask God, with the radical, we also want the beauty of your patience to be alive in us. And we will take time day by day and eat our daily bread and drink the wine of your intoxicating love with you face to face. There is no time wasted in your presence. There is no time wasted in your presence, God. That is what is most important. The communing in the garden of our lives to see the extension of the garden to the ends of the earth. So move in us, God, once again. Holy Spirit, come. Holy Spirit, come. We release every single chain. I even see like some of the things are so, so minuscule. It's like a little small rubber band. It's just holding you back. Just fling it off. It doesn't have to be chaining you down. So I thank you, God, just for a fresh empowerment in our lives today, a fresh perspective, a fresh drive, a fresh determination to follow Jesus with our everything. Be our one thing. Be our all-consuming fire. Holy Spirit, possess us once again. Holy Spirit, possess us once again. Consume us. Let Jesus, let you be the magnificent obsession of our lives. Be the magnificent obsession of our lives, God. And let everything else just be rubbish in comparison to it. We dedicate our lives once again to you, God. 
breathe on your children. In your name we pray. Amen.